very pleasant afternoon to you wherever you are this beautiful Monday afternoon. Welcome to another edition. I think this is the third episode of the In-Depth Sports Podcast with Femaiti. Welcome to this episode. Now, on the show this afternoon or this evening, wherever it is where you're listening, I would like to talk about a couple of things. The Monday show is supposed to be the weekend review edition of the show. That's where we talk about uh, what happened during the weekend. I'm trying my best to actually limit this edition to just 15 minutes because I've gotten some feedbacks uh, that it would be better if it's just short and precise. The last episode was um, 43 minutes and it was quite difficult for people to just tape it and listen for 43 minutes. So I'll try as much as possible to limit this to about 10, 15 minutes at most. Uh, on the show this evening, we'll talk about what happened during the weekend and I've got some talking points. Also, there are a couple of um, stories making the round right now that I would also have my take on. I'm not sure which I should do first. Maybe I should update you first on some of the stories that are making the rounds right about now. For example, I think the first story that I'd like to take this afternoon is uh, about uh, Per Emerick Aubameyang, where he talks about the ball is in Arsenal's court. According to him, he says, uh, well, uh, it's all in Arsenal's hands right now if they want him to sign a contract extension or not. And I think it's a very cryptic message. He says that the decision on his new deal, that's how he puts it, decision on his new deal over his future is uh, all uh, in Arsenal's hands. I think what he's saying is, if Arsenal wants him to stay, they know what they need to do. Now, what are we talking about? There are so many players that have played at Arsenal that have left. And the reason why they left was because they felt there wasn't enough quality around them to actually bring their star out. We're talking about uh, the likes of Robin Van Persie, even when Sek Fabigas left. There was this feel about being the best among average players. I think that's the feeling Premier Aubameyang is having right now. And it needs Arsenal uh, to actually sign more players. I believe inside sources say that he has already named uh, some conditions for him to stay. He's already 30 years of age. He has never, I'm not sure he has ever won a trophy before in his life for a player that's good. And he also said in another interview that this is the most important decision of his life, which is true. Because if you're 30 years of age and you have nothing to show for your playing career all through your years, and he has maybe maximum of three more years playing a top flight football, I think it will be time for him to reevaluate. So basically, what Aubameyang is saying is, if Arsenal want me to sign, they know what to do. And I believe with all my heart that what they need to do is get in quality players. Now, talking about players that have been linked with Arsenal, well, I'm not sure how happy I am. I think the only top-notch quality, the only world-class player so far that has been linked to Arsenal is uh, Thomas Partey and even the Thomas Partey deal is dragging seriously so uh, that doesn't inspire confidence it doesn't speak about a team that is ready to revolutionize I mean Chelsea said they were rebuilding and already Chelsea have locked down what two transfers they've got Akim Ziyech they're about to wrap up uh, Timo Werner and the season is not even over yet that speaks uh, that sends a statement of intent that sends a statement of seriousness uh, we have not seen such from Arsenal and I think that's the only thing that Premier Kabomiang is saying. Now on to the next one. Also, according to reports, well, uh, Sheffield United and Manchester United will begin talks over Dean Anderson's future. What are we talking about? We're not talking about his future this season. We know that whatever happens, his loan deal will be extended till whenever the season ends. We're talking about his future 
next season. And uh, well, there have been talks about oh, bring Dean Anderson to Manchester United. Oh, uh, let him. Well, as I'm gonna give my own thoughts about Dean Anderson, what should be done to Dean Anderson? Well, the fact is, this is Dean Anderson's first top flight year. He was uh, the first choice goalkeeper for Sheffield United in a championship club. This is his first top flight year, and it has been a beautiful year for him. In fact, the Euros had held this summer i'm talking about june july i mean the euros by the way i think the euros should have kicked off on saturday if it held fortunately it's not holding but the fact is if the euros are held as um scheduled i believe that then anderson would most likely have been uh, the first choice goalkeeper of england to that tournament that's how good it was for the season but the fact is uh before you talk about Dean anderson coming back to manchester united you look at what is on ground already Right now, David De Gea still one of the best goalkeepers you find around in the world. Yes, may not be the very best now because he has dipped, but definitely you can still name top 10, top 8 goalkeepers in the world and you miss out De Gea's name. It's not possible. So you still have a top-notch goalkeeper there. When he comes to Manchester United, is he going to put De Gea on the bench? I doubt it. And uh, for a player who has experienced much action like Dean Anderson, it doesn't make any sense for you to bring him back to Old Trafford just to put him on the bench. You've seen clubs make that kind of foolish decisions and it didn't work out. I mean, Chelsea, for example, a couple of seasons ago, Nathan Ake was doing beautifully well at AFC Bournemouth. Uh, it was called back in January. Uh, I think it was Sarri said, oh, you needed him and all that and all that. He came to Chelsea and sat on the bench till the end of the season. So sometimes you have a player who is doing well on loan. You think you need him right now at the club. But you don't really know that you don't really need him that much until he comes. And you discover that, well, you didn't actually need him. So for me, I think Manchester United should just agree uh, a one-year loan extension with Sheffield United. Let him continue what he's doing at Sheffield United, let him become consistent, let him become at least a top, uh, there's no doubt Sheffield United will stay in the Premier League next season, they, even if they lose all the remaining games of the season now, they are not getting relegated, which is good, which means Sheffield United are guaranteed another season in the Premier League, let him have that other season in the Premier League to establish himself more, uh, by that time, David De Gea should be close to 30, we can cut our losses on De Gea, De Gea has spent like 10 years at the club, Manchester United can cut their losses on De Gea at that point and of course bring in the fresh blood like Dean Henderson but bringing Dean Henderson back to Old Trafford right now unless who knows anyway unless they are ready to sell De Gea this season this summer anything can happen then I will but if they are bringing Dean Henderson back to Old Trafford just to come and join the pool because already I feel both De Gea and Sergio Romero they are doing perfectly well whenever De Gea is not playing Sergio Romero shows his quality shows why is considered as one of the best second choices in the world so i feel that that's that and because i'm trying to limit this podcast uh we're not going to go on current stories more than that there's also this talks about pogba pogba may not start for manchester united social is looking at a lineup for friday night by the way manchester united's first game back after project restart is um Tottenham on friday night and uh, talks about Oligona Social looking at a starting level that doesn't involve Pogba. And I think that's a brilliant idea. Look, the work of being a manager is not just coaching. It's not just, you have to manage. That's why they're not called coaches. They're called managers. You have to manage everything. The psychology. And honestly, I feel like 
It wouldn't do well for the psychology of Manchester United players if Popogba has been out for all these months and he just throws back into the starting eleven. He doesn't speak well, he doesn't inspire confidence. What does it say to Fred who has been breaking his head for Manchester United all this while? Who has really improved? Okay, Pogba can just throw back into the starting eleven and bench you anytime. It doesn't it causes enmity? And what does it say to the likes of McTominay and others who have really done well in the absence of Pogba? So I think if the decision is true, it's a very crucial decision. The management skills of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to maybe put Pogba on the bench on the first game back and uh, play it the way they have been playing it in the last couple of months before the. COVID-19 break and it has been working. At least Manchester United were on the rise before the COVID-19 break and Pogba was still injured. So I think it will be for Rashford, we all know that that one is no brainer because Manchester United really missed Rashford. So there's no good alternative for Rashford. So he has to play. But in the absence of Pogba, the midfield has been fine. Matic, McTominay, Fred, they've really stepped up. And I think it will be a slap on their faces if you just whiz Pogba back into the starting level just like that. He hasn't been really fit since September. Almost eight months of being out and just wheezing back into the starting level just like that. I think it doesn't speak well for all those who have been holding the fort uh, in his absence. All right, that's that for that. Because of our time, I won't go further than that. Let's quickly talk about the weekend. There are a couple of talking points that I've noted for the weekend that we're going to talk about quickly. And uh, well, number one, our talking point from the weekend comes from the German Bundesliga. On Saturday, uh, well, we saw a scenario where Bayern Munich could have won the trophy, but uh, Borussia Dortmund uh, threw a late, in fact, probably the last kick of the game, a light strike from Erlin Haaland, actually probably postponed it to tomorrow. But the fact is this, postponement or no postponement, Bayern Munich struggled in that game. You know, there are some games that you shouldn't win. There is a game that Bayern Munich should not have won. The first goal was a gift. Goalkeeper practically passed, made the assist, passed to the player, and then ball just uh, he just had to pass it back into the net. That was like a free goal. Uh, but I noticed that Bayern Munich struggled. Like, goal came late in the game. I think about 85-86 minutes before the goal came in. The fact is, without Lewandowski, and that's the thing. You know when we're talking about Lewandowski for Ballon d'Or and all that, people say, "Oh, it's not worth it." Maybe his absence in the Bayern Munich team last weekend now is what uh, Lewandowski does. If Probably Thomas Muller and Lewandowski were in that game. Maybe they would have won comfortably, maybe like 4-1 or something. But the fact is, there was really no top nine. Yeah, Joshua Zagzis tried his best, but then the fact is, they were missed. So it shows how important Robert Lewandowski is and we should stop taking for granted what he does. The amount of goals he scores, it's not easy. And for those who are still saying Lewandowski should not be named the Ballon d'Or winner for this season. Well, tell me someone who has done better. Definitely not Messi and Ronaldo because even Messi, both Messi and Ronaldo would agree that they have not done enough to deserve at the Ballon d'Or this season. Okay, quickly, number two will come from the Spanish La Liga, the number two talking point from the weekend and that's from Barcelona. Look, I've talked about this over and over again and it's becoming annoying. I think uh, at the authorities at Barcelona, they are very confused because you can't buy a player and not know what you want the player to achieve, what position you want. Okay, maybe we can excuse them, it was Vavade that got him and all that. But then the technical directors and other people that were in the decision process, they are still there. And Griezmann's struggle at Barcelona did not start with Kiki Setien's time. It started from Vavade's time. What am I talking about? Barcelona played on what is Saturday night, yeah, Saturday night, 9 p.m. And uh, they played well. I think it was against Maloka, they won by 
four goals to nothing. Even though Maloka really played a good game, but the fact is, all through that game, Griezmann had no bearing. In fact, the goals for Barcelona, it was just like they were circumventing Griezmann. Griezmann was floating, and that begs the question again. Where does Griezmann fit in at Barcelona? Is it from the left wing? Is it from the right wing? It cannot be from behind the striker because we know that's Messi's position. And is it a top nine? I don't think so. I think that's Luis Suarez's position. So where does Griezmann fit in? I mean, last summer, everyone at Barcelona were buzzing because they had just spent over a hundred million pounds to secure Griezmann's move from Atletico Madrid. How can you buy a player for over a hundred million pounds and not know exactly what he's coming to do at the club? What position is he going to play? Right now, ah, Griezmann's career is about to end and it doesn't favor him because he's at a point in his career where he's old. He's not 25. When you have a dip at 24, 25, you are still can still bounce back but it's 28 29 this may be the end for Griezmann he's floating at Barcelona he had to be subbed so that it was when Suarez came in that Barcelona's attack looked coordinated looked like they were working for someone it looked like you could see that okay this is the striker this is the winger these are those this who they are working for but until then still need to ask Kiki Setien what exactly and that's why I believe every piece of story that says that Barcelona are planning to sell Griezmann I think he doesn't fit in as Barcelona. I think whoever sanctioned that deal did not think it through very well. Okay, uh, the third talking point come from the Italian Serie A. It's in the game between Inter Milan and Napoli at uh, the second semi-final game. Inter Milan, of course, lost and uh, lost a chance to get the Coppa Italia. Napoli drew on the night, won on aggregate. But the fact is, I want to talk about Romain Lukaku. One of the terrible features he had at Manchester United and why so many Manchester United fans were actually, should I say, antagonizing him was his first touch. Uh, it looked to have fixed that at uh, Inter Milan when he joined in the summer, at least till the COVID-19 break. But then the game, the game against Napoli, that first touch problem came back again. And I can understand, well, he has been off for a while. I'm sure even uh, school children, when, um, when they go on holidays, they forget what they have learned. I think that's the case for Lukaku. He has gone on holiday, he has probably forgotten what he had learned about his first touch and all that, you will have to get up to peace about that. But the fact is, his first touch for Inter Milan really let them down. Uh, his footwork was terrible, wasn't linking as well as he used to with Lotaro Martinez. It was just, I could say that it was a big reason why Inter Milan even could not score an additional goal. I mean, they scored in the first minute of that game and didn't score any other goal till the end. Uh, at a point, they, they gave up on giving him. Yeah, Lukaku ball on his legs. It's like putting it in the air for him. He's a good striker in the air. Unfortunately, couldn't get his head down enough. So I think uh, Lukaku would have to, you know, work on his first touch again. I think he has lost his touch while at home, which is very, 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 very understandable. I mean, they have not played a game for over three months. It's understandable that they lost some Midas touch that they've had. Uh, number four, our point is uh, Juventus. Uh, well, uh, I saw Juventus struggle. Uh, so many person put it to the break in football were part of it but also there was something wrong with the formation it was not until that day i think it was on friday that i discovered how important juan Cuadrado playing as right back for juventus is not talking about him playing as a right back because of his defensive abilities both because of his attacking abilities danilo did not really offer much playing from the right back position as a matter of fact the juventus attack from the right did not make much sense until juan Cuadrado actually came off the bench uh, to actually resume that right-back role. But it was too late, so a little bit too late at that time. And Juventus really didn't need 
a goal at that time. They just only needed it to stay that way. They knew they had qualified based on the results from the home game. So basically, Juventus attack, well, a very important part of it is the overlapping runs of John Quadrado. It was missing against AC Milan on Friday and it showed. And also, well, Sari, tactically speaking, he messed a couple of things up, played everyone out of position, played Dybala on the right, played Ronaldo as a force nine. We knew that was a recipe for disaster. No one plays Ronaldo as a force nine. You can't. That was a recipe for disaster. And even when Fendi Covenas just came off the bench, I thought Ronaldo was going to go to the left and Bernardeschi was going to go to the right where it's well suited. And eventually, Bernardeschi got to play from the left. Honestly, I have to confess, that's the first time I'll see Bernardeschi play from the left. He still kept Dybala on the right and Ronaldo as the first nine. I mean, but then it's good that, well, he didn't need to win the game. If that was a game in there to win, then it would have been a problem. Okay, I think those are some of the thoughts that I've got for you on this um, edition of the podcast. Just a couple of thoughts from the weekend. And of course, uh, well, a couple of news making the rounds and my thoughts on them. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the podcast, uh, In-Depth Sports with Femighty. More of this uh, talking point I'll share on my program on R2FM this evening by 6 p.m. Nigerian time. Uh, it's the weekend review show also. I'm going to be expansiating. There'll be enough time. We've got about 45 minutes. I'm going to be expansiating more on this point. Thank you so much for listening. Till the next episode, have a beautiful day. Bye for now. <music>